Hey everybody, welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pokolsky, and we have an exciting one for you today. Exciting for me, and I know you're going to love this. Dr. Joseph Mercola joins me today to tell us everything that he's diving into to live to be 180 years old. If you don't know Dr. Mercola, he's an absolute legend in the fitness, health optimization, and alternative medicine space. He's a functional medicine practitioner. He's a physician and an all-around wealth of information. This guy's literally an encyclopedia of everything to do to optimize your body. And I spend well over an hour digging into his brain and digging into his daily routines, the things he finds to be most impactful in his life and in ours, and all those little insidious things that we maybe aren't aware of in life that can be negatively impacting our long-term health and thriving as human beings. I really, really like this conversation with Dr. McCullough. I've heard him on a numerous number of podcasts, and he's just absolutely brilliant and just recites research after research and practical experience, as well as giving us a ton of applicable items that we can take right now and apply to living our greatest life. I'm so grateful to have Dr. McCullough's time and we've agreed to have multiple podcasts in the future because this just barely scratches the surface of this man's wisdom. His website, Mercola.com, is one of the top resources on the internet for anything to do with functional medicine and health optimization. And, you know, ultimately getting away from sickness medicine or illness medicine, the typical allopathic approach. You know, he's not your typical physician that's going to treat disease, right? His objective is to optimize your health before we ever get to disease. And that's what we're living toward, right? This demographic is living toward optimization. And obviously, that's the absence of disease and the absence of illness. But, you know, that may not even be on the radar for most of us. Most of us, I think the idea of thinking about getting away from disease in and of itself brings disease into our mind. And we were thinking about how do we chase excellence, right? How do we chase this high level of expectation in every aspect of our life from our fitness to our mindset, to our relationships and everything inside of that, even our finances play a huge role. So Dr. Mercola blesses us with this incredible wealth of information. So I know you guys are going to absolutely love this podcast. We get into things from the EMF and radio frequencies in our homes, his daily routine to live his greatest life, what he's currently working on with his website, some of the things he has to overcome right now with his little slap he's received from Google, as well as many of the other sites in the world are receiving the same slap on the wrist saying, hey, you know, we're going to shut you down. Really, really interesting stuff going on in the, the space of Dr. Mercola. I also want to give a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, Forsigmatic, Forsigmatic.com, your greatest resource on the internet for anything mushroom and superfood related. They've recently just sent over some of their new smoothie recipe, which tastes absolutely phenomenal. They sent over some face creams, which darn right, I'm going to be trying out myself. I got to be handsome in my old age if I'm going to live to be 180 optimizing everything, including my mind with my daily lion's mane into the intelligence coffee, my daily reishi, my three grams going into my evening tea. Absolutely love this stuff. You guys know if you want to thrive, mushrooms should be a part of everyone's routine. And even with children and my kids get sick, first thing I'm going for is reishi. I'm not going for echinacea. I'm not going for zinc. I'm not going for vitamin C. I'm going for reishi because it's such a great 
agonist to the immune system, right? Such a great little stimulant to kind of give your immune system a little boost and seems to just work wonders for myself and my children. I've also been using a lot of their turkey tail lately. I find that tends to calm me down before sleep as well. I've been messing with some new combinations before bed just to see if I can optimize sleep, waking up feeling like I'm ready to attack the world and attack my dreams and my goals. If you guys head over to foursigmatic.com right now, use the code muscle you can get hooked up with 15 percent off don't wait get this stuff into your body into your mind now and let's all thrive and live our greatest life and without more rambling from me as always enjoy the podcast with dr joseph mercola Dr. McCola, uh, again, I'm grateful and uh, we can just get started, get rolling, talking about your amazing life, how much influence you've had on this entire world, you know, particularly even in the fitness community that I come from. There's a lot of people who are listening to your information on a day-to-day basis on strategies to optimize our life. And you know, that's been my shift. And as, as I've told you, I was in a previous life, a professional bodybuilder, and, and now shifted into this health optimization space, teaching people how to optimize body and mind. And we have an incredible show with incredible guests, and I'm, I'm truly honored to have you here. Well, I'm glad to be with you. Yeah. And like I said, I, I've read some of your books. I've been researching you extensively online. Every time you're on a podcast, I'm the first guy to listen. Just because it's what you offer is kind of both sides of the perspective, right? You're offering the perspective of a physician and then someone also who's just looking to optimize life and thrive. And that's just a beautiful synergy. And you're taking this holistic approach to you know, longevity and health optimization. And there seems to be not enough people, or at least previously not enough people. Now there's obviously a lot more people doing this, but you were definitely one of the pioneers. Yeah. I just got back from Mindshare with JJ Virgin. And- yeah. She's in Tampa now. Come visit JJ. Yeah, that's why I'm going to be in Tampa. I'm going to be in okay. But yeah, I, that appreciation of that fact just was reinforced. So it's really great to see what I've been able to catalyze in so many people in the space because you know, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and basically echoed those comments. So it's really great. Yeah. I mean, so the credibility of obviously being a physician with as many years experience as you have, and then just trying to lead this conversation and it's definitely a battle, right? So, you know, even myself facing the daily battle of these people who are potentially, you know, zealots against, you know, what we're teaching, you know, you're, you're very much a high fat advocate. You're very much a holistic approach, like, Hey, get your sunshine, get, you know, pay attention to your light. And there's these people who are just so adamantly against the reality that, you know, we've evolved to live in a particular type of environment with a particular type of nutrition. People just don't want to acknowledge that. They're just like, Hey, you know, blue light doesn't matter. And all these artificial foods are good for you. And it doesn't matter. And it's literally as much as it to you and I, it seems like it's just this futile argument. It's just persistent. Right. And they just, they're, they're these trolls that attack. I don't, I don't know how much you notice these things, but there's so many people who are vehemently opposed to this ancestral lifestyle that I would, you know, if I'm putting a label on what you suggest we live is this ancestral lifestyle. And there's some reasons for that. And actually, the battle has actually become exponentially larger because I, I suspect you're aware of, but in June, Google updated their algorithms to essentially exclude almost all the leading natural health sites. <laughs> so my site does not exist on Google anymore, essentially. Really? Yeah. Our traffic has gone down from Google by 99.99%. Wow. You know, so, and it's not just me. I'm not just, you know, oh, woe is me. I mean, it's the, the real tragedy here is that they're seeking to silence this type of information. So it's not, it's not just that the average person doesn't get it. In some ways, I don't blame them because there's these massive 
media pressures and corporate direction to keep them clueless because they gain profits from it. And not only that, but these multinational corporations have very sophisticated tactics and strategies. And they've essentially, most of the big ones have basically developed a revolving door with the federal regulatory agencies and essentially have captured these federal regulatory agencies, the very agencies that are supposed to regulate them. So the reason I was a target was no surprise because I've literally taken tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars away from these multinational corps. So taking me out as a threat to their bottom line is certainly high on their priority list. So, you know, I appreciate your comments, but if anyone listening wants to get this information, they're not going to find it on Google anymore. It doesn't exist. I'm gone. So you'll have to go to the website or go to the, better yet, just subscribe to the newsletter. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming up that I'm really excited about and hopefully we'll have a chance to talk to talk about today. Oh, we absolutely will. And I, so I don't know that I can quite extrapolate from what you just said. If you have a belief or a theory as to why Google would be motivated to do something like that, do you think it's just that all these large corporations have just pulled their advertising dollars and say, hey, Google, forget you. We're not going to put our ads in there if you guys don't pull these health advocate companies out? I don't know if it's that's as simple as you describe, but it's probably something close to that would be my best guess. And it's only a guess. I don't have any insider information on this, but we, all we can do is comment on what they've done. And, it, and again, it's not just me. It's many other sites out there that are big sites. And then, I mean, you could consider that they're targeting me because of my vaccine position, which is pro-choice, actually, pro-vaccine safety, not anti-vax, as they they just described me as. But there are many sites that have been taken down that never, ever once mentioned vaccines. So it's not just that. Super interesting. I had no idea that happened. That's yeah. news to me. And so they didn't give you any reason, any warning. They just said, hey, we're just changing the algorithm. Yeah, that's what they did. Yeah, it's well documented. You can look it up online. But this is a battle. I mean, they really are trying to deprive the public from information that will change their lives. And I mentioned that many acknowledged when I was at Mindshare my contribution to them starting their process. And I'm so glad because we need more and more people like you and others to do this work. But what's even more tragic is that literally a dozen people came up to me and told me I was personally responsible for saving their life or their child's life when they found me 10, 20 years ago. So thankfully, you know, that wasn't my intention to be the Lone Ranger hero. We have to do this collectively as, as a group of individuals who understand health at its foundational level so that we can inform the masses that you described earlier. They don't even understand the basics of the importance of sunshine and excluding processed foods. Yeah, that's the beauty of every time I listen to you, I get so many valuable little nuggets. And, and you know, one of the times I've listened to you in the past, it was talking about light. And then I've heard you talk about fats and I've heard you talk about the mitochondria and I've heard you talk about EMF and all your little tactics to kind of hack all these things. That's why I was so excited to get you on here. And I could probably keep you on here for four hours. But I really want to talk about your daily routine because I've watched a video on- Oh, you're, uh, you're in for a treat. Yes. I, well, it's probably very similar to mine, which is great, but- I think there's a lot that can be extrapolated, and I think maybe I've, I've based mine around yours secretly, but I think there's a lot that can be extrapolated just on like, hey, what are the things that you see as being daily necessities to thriving? Well, the reason why I mentioned you're in for a treat, because three years ago, we shot a video of the day in the life of Dr. Mercola. Yeah. So I, we got such good response from it that I said, you know, we should do this again. So my video crew was here for three days and they shot eight hours of video and that video is being released tomorrow. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're only displaying a half hour and put the rest of it on different areas, but yeah, you can see that there. So, I mean, it's all in. That's going to be on drmercola.com. Well, not Dr. Mercola, or YouTube. Mercola.com. 
Uh, Mercola.com. And it's it's YouTube as well or just Mercola.com? Oh, no, it'll be on YouTube. So we have a YouTube channel, so it'll definitely be there. You know, and I, and I suspect they'll be taking our YouTube channel down too. Even though That's what I was going to say. Are you worried about that? Yeah, I mean, Google owns YouTube. So, right. you know, so we're, we're uploading all our content to BitChute, so it doesn't really matter. But, you know, I mean, that's another exciting story. Really, the next phase of my life is to lead another revolution and essentially work with some of the best people on the planet for this and uh, get together and create a new search engine that's going to not exclude and censor the truth. So that's going to hopefully happen in the next year or two. Well, there has to be one, right? There has to be yeah. one that's going to respond and say like, hey, these guys are being completely biased and, and you know, yeah. think of how much that can shift the world, right? That That's, I mean, it gives no, us, it, it makes us it feel like a puppet, right? You know, and I said that one of the big motivations was getting the feedback I did this past weekend and, you know, so mm-hmm. many people coming up and to me and tell me how their lives were saved. And I said, this, we cannot stop this. We've got to let this information be freely available to everyone so they don't have to rely on these expensive and typically dangerous interventions that conventional medicine offers that are going to prematurely kill them and, and contribute to needless suffering. It's so sad that a human being could in uh, their right in their right mind rationalize in some way that they want to make money and therefore it's okay that other people are sick and die. It really blows my I couldn't actually yeah. fathom it when I first heard that. And now I just feel like it's it's almost everywhere. It's rampant. It yeah. is one of the disgusting aspects, characteristics of human nature. Not everyone, of course, but there's mm-hmm. some people out there and have beyond questionable ethics. So fascinating. So let's walk through your day. I know you wake up in the morning and, and you're an advocate of sunlight. And, and not only do I want you to tell me why, uh, what, but I'd like you to tell me why. Because I don't know that all the, like, I, I feel like sometimes I'm the guy who's preaching from the mountaintop and people don't always want to listen to what I have to say about these things. So getting people that are extremely reputable like yourself to kind of substantiate, hey, this is why it's so important to get that 30 minutes of sunshine in the morning. I'd love to have you just go down the path of what it looks like as soon as you wake up and then for the first few hours. Yeah, I forget. There's someone I interviewed that did a really good job on summarizing that. I interviewed him a few months ago. I just his name escapes me as the name of his book. But the highlights of it are that we were designed to be in the sun. I mean, that's how we mm-hmm. evolved. So it's just obvious that one would suspect that we'd have some requirement for regular sun exposure. Unlike what almost every dermatologist says is that we not have sun. The 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 best about is zero, and to put on sunscreen, which will actually, at least in the past, has radically increased your risk of melanoma, certainly not right. increased it. But it'll make them more money. <laughs> yeah, I, so. didn't, I didn't understand that, there, but there actually was a connection between the dermatologists and the sunscreen manufacturers. They, they heavily subsidized them. I didn't realize that was their motivation until I read that book. But the reason why the sun is so important for the obvious one, it has a very high concentration, well, high concentration, but enough ultraviolet B radiation to create vitamin D when it hits uncovered skin. So Mm -hmm. my last vitamin D level was 70. And that was last week. And I haven't taken vitamin D in over 10 years orally. I get it from the sun. So I live in Florida like you do. And, you know, I'm here most of the time, unlike you, so I can walk the beach and get my daily dose. Now, unfortunately, most people don't have that luxury or privilege. So they're going to have to take some, but that's one of the reasons, but it's not the only reason and probably maybe even not the most important. The other side of the equation, the other bandwidth of the radiation exposure is near infrared. Mm -hmm. 
which is about 40% of the radiation, the visible radiation or, or mm-hmm. that we see coming out of the sun. And that has enormous benefits, unbelievable benefits, primarily for recharging your mitochondria because certain of the proteins within the mitochondria membrane, some of the cytochromes, they resonate with that frequency and they actually get recharged. And it helps you create ATP, which is the energy currency of your cell more efficiently. So that's one of the big reasons. And then I like it so much, even though I get regular exposure myself, I have a near, not a far, a near infrared sauna, which essentially looks like a heat lamp bulb. But I have a special one that doesn't have any EMFs, no electric fields, no magnetic or no radio frequency fields. So I use that pretty much every day. I was going to ask you about that, like the value then of using the infrared light, like a juve or like an infrared sauna for someone who can't access the sunlight. Well, I'm not actually huge fans of the last two. You said juve and uh, infrared sauna because most juve is okay, but it's digital. It's not analog and it's certainly not full spectrum. It's usually two frequencies, although you can give them as a single frequency. And I have a juve. I've had one for a long time. I've had the owners come to my house a few times of juve. So I'm quite familiar with the technology, but it does have radiation. It has magnetic fields. And if you get right on top of it, you'll have very high magnetic fields. Now, if you get the dose, they say, the distance they away, it's, pro- it's probably fine, but it's still, it has an enormous amount of flicker too, which is the light going off and on, and that's not healthy. So an analog version of that, which is a near-infrared bulb, has absolutely no EMFs and no flicker, and it's a full spectrum. So you're getting not only 850 and 660 nanometers, but you're getting all the frequencies in between and then some. So we don't know. I mean, there's you know, the science is relatively primitive on photobiomodulation. So we don't know exactly what the specific frequencies are. We have some studies that suggest those frequencies are helpful, but we have no idea if there's any benefit from the other. So we're trying to play God and try to do this with digitally. So I think the analog is far better. And that's why I have a near-infrared sauna too. Almost all the far-infrareds, even the ones that claim they're no EMF, are either lying or delusional because they may have no magnetic fields, but I can almost assure you they'll have high electric fields and they clearly have radio frequency fields because they're not putting shielding between you and the outside world. Now, it's not going to be any different than if you stepped outside the sonic because almost everyone listening to this high radio frequency field from their cell phones or Wi-Fi, the cell phone towers out there, their neighbor's Wi-Fi. So that's going to be bombarding you. And that's the last thing you want to be exposed to when you're in sauna because it's going to activate your sympathetic nervous system and you want to be parasympathetic when you're in there. So the sauna I use is completely shielded, no magnetic, electric, or radio frequency fields. Are you able to share the name of the company? Yeah, yeah. It's a good friend of mine. Brian Richards is the owner and founder and his name is Sauna Space. I actually had the very first no EMF sauna. He provided that to me before it launched. And I was a bit surprised because I met him. I was a big believer in fire for red saunas. And I went, met him first at Bulletproof in 2017 and was going to go over respectfully lecture to him and tell him why he was wrong. <laughs> he totally turned the table. Guy is brilliant. I've done a, an interview with him. If you want to know anything about this, go, go to Mercola.com, type in Brian Richards sauna, and you'll get the hour interview I did with him, which is just will blow your mind. It's really one of the best interviews on that topic. So uh, that's the one to go with. And he's got a beam called the photon beam, which is essentially one of these near-infrared bulbs. And the infrared bulbs are not the typical ones you buy on Amazon. He had them hand-blown and they're stained red glass. So it has like twice the energy of a typical near-infrared bulb. And he's got this photon beam, which 
essentially is one bulb that you can travel with. It comes in a cage and there's a protective material. So I actually put it in my suitcase and I, I use it as a light at night because then when you're in a hotel, I used to travel with regular incandescent light bulbs, but I break them all the time. But this one works really well. And, it, and not only does it treat you, because I like one of the, yes, for my daily approaches. So one of the things I do is before I go to bed is I put that photon beam right on my skull. The Violite developed by Lou Lim up in Canada, yeah. who's an yeah. MD, is another option, but I have a lot of Violites and I don't use it because again, it's digital, it's magnetic, it's you know, it's not the analog version, it's not full spectrum, and it gets a relatively small portion of the brain that you're hitting. But with this bulb, you can get the whole brain, the whole well, at least the top of your skull, the most of the cortex. And near infrared penetrates your body like three to five inches, which is incredible. See, the far infrared saunas don't. They claim it does, but it doesn't. It only goes a few millimeters. I mean, literally a fra tiny fraction of an inch. They heat you up by convection. The near infrared sauna heats you up by conduction right through your body. I mean, it goes in and heats your tissues. You, with a far, and you know this. When you have a far infrared sauna, you have to turn that thing on 30 minutes before you go in, unless you want to wait and be cold. But you have a near infrared, you turn it on, and in five minutes, you are sweating bullets. And it's, I mean, because that's the way it works. It heats your tissue from the inside out. Not, you know, right. Yeah. Now, it does heat up the space somewhat because it's, you know, it's a heat bulb, but most of the heating is because it's going in your body. Are you objectifying all these measurements? So, do you have a means of, of measuring the magnetic fields and the RF oh, fields? Really, and you know, my next book is coming out in February. I've just finished the draft. So, some might consider I'm, I'm a semi-expert. And this is, I've been researching and reviewing this for three years. And I've written what I think I'm pretty convinced is the best book out there at this point, although it won't be out until February. So uh, I've got thousands of dollars of these very expensive instruments to measure it in very sophisticated ways. And absolutely, every sauna that we've measured is high in these other fields except for the sauna space. Which is your favorite measuring tool? Because, I mean, you go on Amazon or wherever. And there, there's yeah, yeah, there's a 30 or 40. There, yeah. There's depends on what you're trying to measure because there's different types of EMF. So there's radio frequency fields, which are mm -hmm. more common that's your wireless and that is your cell phone. And most of the things you're going to be exposed to Bluetooth. So for that, I personally like the Acousticom because it's about the Acousticom 2 actually. It's the size of a pack of cigarettes. It's under 200 bucks. And even with, you know, if you use it reasonably, a one nine volt battery lasts you like two years. So, but it gives you not a digital display, but an analog display. So it tells you quantitatively how much of a field exposure you have. And then it also gives an audible signal. So you see these EMFs are invisible. And that's one of the yeah. reasons why people don't appreciate the danger it's doing. It's kind of like very similar to x-rays in many, so many ways, because x-rays are invisible too. Uh, but we know there's no controversy that x-rays are dangerous. So no dispute there. And they, they know they're a problem because they actually have enough energy in the wavelengths to physically break the covalent bonds. Well, non-ionizing radiation doesn't have enough energy in the wavelengths, but they cause damage because most of the damage from x-rays is not from those breaking the bonds directly with the radiation. It's from the creation of these free radicals. Mm -hmm. They create hydroxyl free radicals right in the nucleus, in the water of the nucleus, and these hydroxyl free radicals can't travel very far, literally this, the distance of a protein or so. So that's why when you create them in your mitochondria, they don't escape the mitochondria, go into the cytoplasm, and then travel to the nucleus. It doesn't work that way. They burnt out, you know, it would be like traveling a light year for them. It's not going to work. So you've got to create them right where the, the DNA is in, in the nucleus. And that's what ionizing radiation does. But interestingly, non-ionizing radiation like your cell phone or your Wi-Fi can do the same thing. They just do it through a different free radical. They do it through the creation of a free nitrogen species called peroxynitrite. And then mm -hmm. it creates carbonyl free radicals right in the nucleus. 
the hydroxyl is the worst free radical in your body, but carbonyl is pretty damn close. I mean, it's really, and hardly, I, hardly anyone knows this. What I've just said is like obscure information that virtually no healthcare professional understands or realizes. They wouldn't dispute it if they looked it up because it's, it's the book I've written has hundreds, hundreds, maybe thousands of references in it. It's all all well referenced in the literature. So we're not pulling stuff off our hat. I mean, this is clearly there. But again, like the, what we talked about, Google and suppressing the information, this information is being suppressed by the wireless industry, which is every bit as big as to big tobacco. And in fact, in many ways, far more sophisticated because they're using the same damn tactics that are described in Virgins of Doubt and many other books and movies. And they create doubt and they're using those tactics, but they've also captured the federal regulatory agencies like the FCC, the very industry that's supposed to regulate them. And as an example, the chief lobbyist, the head of the wireless industry lobbying organization was promoted to be the head of the FCC, Tom Wheeler, during the Obama administration for four years, four years. I mean, they get the, it's the classic example of the Fox Garden Hen House. So that's the reason wow. I'm tangenting to that is because, you know, people are shocked, jaws are dropped probably, and they're saying, that can't be our government protects it. Well, a government protects us, but it's not true. They're very, very clever. And they've, they've essentially established command of the the information chain that educates the public. So they control the media, they control the federal regulatory agencies, and as a result, they benefit. And they get big dollars, and they don't care if you're hurt or damaged. So I am not opposed to the internet. I love the internet. I was on the internet, Ben. When were you born? 1981. I was on the internet well before you were born. Really? Yeah, well before you were born. I took my first programming class in 1968. But I was, wow. on the, I was on the internet in 78. That's my first wow. time we went on. So before I went to med school, actually 77, before I went to med school, I was the transplant coordinator at the University of Illinois for kidneys. And I, I basically hacked the modems in their computer department to, to improve our ability to find recipients for the harvested kidneys that we had. So I understand the internet. I, I know what it is. And I love it. I embrace it. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I got such a big website not the only reason, of course, but one of them. But and so I'm not a technophobe. But on the other hand, you don't, you know, most people don't realize when the internet first came out, it wasn't until this century that we started making it wireless. It was all 100% wired. That's the only way you were online. Usually it was through your phone connection, but then obviously it, it transferred from that and then eventually a wireless. I think, I forget when Apple came out with their, I think Apple was the first one to do it. I could be wrong on that, but it might've been late 20th century. The earliest it was, it was couldn't have been any earlier than ninety five, and probably was two thousand or later. So we think that this wireless has always been around. It's been around for less than two decades, for the most part. Pervasive exposure, like it is. So that's why we don't know. It's like cigarettes. It's this we're an untested experiment. There are no long term term studies on this, and just right. smoking. When you smoke, you're not going to die from lung cancer in a few weeks, months, or years. It takes decades. The same thing with exposure of this EMF in these wireless frequencies. So how are you protecting yourself, Dr. McCall? Well, interestingly, there's a number of ways I protect myself. First of all, is I don't if anyone knows me personally, they know that I'm almost impossible to reach by a cell phone. I have a cell phone. I use it when I need to catch a Lyft or an Uber, but that's about the one of the only times I use it where I have to make an emergency phone call. I'm way under an hour a month. Way under an hour a month on that. So everything's through a, a computer phone. And so that's one of the ways. I just don't use a cell phone. If, and if I have it around on me, it's in airplane mode and it's in a Faraday bag. 
So I'm not letting that stuff come out. There is no wireless in my home, which is relatively easy to do. I mean, the, the baby step towing the water to that is turn it off at night, but I think that's not good enough. It should be off all the time. How do you protect yourself from the 30 neighbors around that are, you know, emitting EMFs into your bedroom? Well, I, my property's pretty big and, yeah. you know, and I've shielded most of the walls. So if, if you use that Acousticom 2 meter that I mentioned earlier and you go in most places in my house, it's like it goes from green. The, the lowest is no lights. Then it goes to one green and then a higher green. Then it goes to, I think, yellow, amber, and then red, different shades, in between, orange and then red. But I'm usually not any lights or a green. So my inside my house is low, low, and and for most people that's going to be the issue. The most of the radiation is coming from your home. So the, the Wi-Fi router that you have is like having a cell phone tower in your home. Most people don't understand that. So that's what it is. It's just, it's more radiation than the cell phone tower outside. So and they're leaving it on all the time. So okay. So for people who don't have the luxury of living in a, on a large property who need to protect themselves and their family. What are, our, what are our steps? Unplugging Wi-Fi or wiring your house. Now, so one question I have for you, actually, if someone just unplugs their Wi-Fi and decides to use a plugged unit, most companies, the internet companies, will not allow you to have a exclusively wired line. I've inquired numerous times for my gym, and they said, no, you have to have Wi-Fi. And I literally had to fight with the person. I had to bring somebody in who was an independent contractor to do it independent of the internet company. So if anyone's going to face that, like you can do it, you can do it yourself. But I'm curious to hear what else you have to say. Yeah, it's easy because every router that comes down a cable, comes down a cable modem. Cable modem, you just buy one that does has the option to either turn it off or it's not there and they exist. And then mm-hmm. you've got an Ethernet port coming out and you send your Ethernet port or your Ethernet wire. All you need is one coming from the router and you put it into a switch depending on how many wires you want to run. I think I've got like 90 ports on my, my switch. I have like 248 ports, 96 because I, I have a big house and I've got a lot of places where I want the internet. So you just run these wires or you have someone run them for you, like a low voltage wire company or a home theater company can run it for you. And you don't, you don't need to deal with a cable company. They, you're right. They're not going to be installing cable. For you. They used to, though, and they'll install cables for your TV. But interestingly, they, I, I didn't realize that, but it makes sense that they refuse to install Ethernet cable. They could, though. Right. Well, you said something in there that I don't want to gloss over, and, and you said low EMF cables, because that I've been informed that's a concern too, right? It's like even just the wiring running through your walls can be emitting radio frequencies or magnetic frequencies potentially. No, no. You're t- that's a different issue altogether. When I was okay. saying low EMF cable company to install the Ethernet wires. So Okay. So there's no such thing as wiring that would be lower EMF or radio yeah, frequency? No, there- well, there's two things. Again, there's there's three types. Actually, I never finished answering that. There's four types okay. of EMF that you have to be concerned about. Electrical right. fields, which yep. does come from electrical wires that's not in, that's in your walls unless it's gone through shielded cable or right. conduit, like a metal pipe. So if you right. have wires in a metal pipe, which most people don't, but if you're in a commercial building, you would likely have that. Like most hotels have that. Then you're not going to get electrical fields from that. But there's no radio frequencies coming out of that. It's just electrical fields, which can be pretty pernicious, actually. And then you have magnetic fields, and you use a tri-field meter to measure that. And then you've got the radio frequency. We talked about acousticum. And then the fourth type is something called dirty electricity, which is a type of electrical field, but it's not measured by traditional electric meters. 
Dr. Graham and then Dave Stetzer came up with a meter called the the Stetzer meter or Stetzerizer. Stetzerizer, yep. So you can measure these these are essentially voltage tranches that come off of the electricity, typically due to switching power supplies and like the one on your computer and your TV and refrigerator. So that introduces these transits that cause disruptions. And and Sam Milham is a pioneer in this. He's an MD PhD. I've interviewed him on my site. And he's an epidemiologist, actually, and really showed very clearly the, the incidence of dis- chronic disease in this country that kind of exploded because we had two populations in the U.S. One that was exposed. It, it wasn't designed, but it was an incredible controlled study. The, most people aren't aware. We have not always had electricity in this company. I mean, people knew, know that, but they don't know the history because, right. you know, they were born before this happened, well before, 30 years before you were born. So it wasn't until 1950 that the urban areas finally got electricity. Prior to that, there were two populations from like 1900 to 1950, the urban areas were electrified and the rural areas that weren't. And if you look at the incidents, and Sam does in his book called Dirty Electricity, you see this dramatic increase in the cities and it doesn't increase in the rural areas until they get the electricity coming in in 1950. So, and that's typically dirty electricity or these electrical fields. It's not radio frequencies. It's radio frequencies. We didn't get hit really until the last two decades. I mean, they've been around for a long time with radios and TVs, but that hasn't been a massive exposure like we have with cell phones and it's going to continue to increase with the introduction of 5G. Now, this is all incredible information. I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about how we can mask ourselves, but what type of illnesses and ailments would people be expecting or would you expect someone to experience if they're going to be exposed to massive amounts of radio frequencies, maybe acutely, but also chronically over the next 10 and 20 years? Acutely, some people, it depends how sick you are. A lot of sensitive people you know, with multiple chemical sensitivities or illnesses or emotional traumas will be predisposed to developing electromagnetic hypersensitivity. So they are, and this, they're a canary essentially, and they don't need a meter. They are the meter. They're more sensitive than most of these meters. So that's a small percentage of the population that can actually feel and hear and see this stuff. So that's the acute issue. Chronically, it'll decrease the time that you stay alive. You're going to die sooner. Like It's like a guarantee. Well, I mean, not a guarantee. Nothing's a guarantee in life. We've had 109-year-old people who are smoking their whole life. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially similar. I, I'm sure you can have SNPs or some type of intrinsic production or some type of health activity preserves you, but it's going to increase the risk of what you die. So the, some of the biggest illness symptoms that people come up with premature death would be brain tumors, glioblastomas. We've got a lot of famous people who died from Central John McCain was, I think, the most recent prominent one. Ted Kennedy died of the same thing. And there's a lot. Is that specific to proximity of the cell phone to your head, or is that just because you're bathing yourself in EMF and NRF all the time? No, that's because it's a high concentration localized right on where it is. And if you look at these people with the glios, they're almost always where they hold the phone. And women, the other, the, you know, not every woman does this, but there's a certainly a large number that do. And living on the beach, I see this. They put their cell phone when they're walking on the beach and when other other times too, they put it in their bra. They don't put it in oh, It's crazy. In my gym too, it drives me crazy. Yeah, you see it. So I mean, you've seen it. You know they do that. And you I, you can be damn guaranteed that that phone is not in airplane mode. So they, right. they will wind up getting breast cancers in the upper inner quadrant, which is the least common place where women get breast cancer. If you've studied breast cancer, you know it just doesn't occur there. It occurs in the upper outer. So they're getting breast cancer where you don't expect it because they're putting a phone exactly on the way. And it'll be in the breast exactly where they're putting them. They're not going to be in the other breast. They're going to be right where the radiation is. 
Wow, fascinating. And so as far as other mechanisms that we can use, and I mean, I think you've said a lot, but you know, don't use your cell phone. Is there any like- You can you gotta shield your bedroom. So you can turn your, there's a site, site called emfkillswitch.com, okay. which is the best one out there. I just want to say something that I've actually already ordered the Acousticom too while I've been on this call. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not waiting. We got to order it now. You damn multi <laughs> You got to concentrate on what you're doing. Focus, Ben. Focus. Focus. Hey. <laughs> Can't forget, you know, how life gets. Got to get it done. Got to get myself protected. Yeah, no, no. That, but you got to, I'm working with Ryan Hoyer. It was probably the best EMF or meteor out there from my perspective. He did in my house a few times. Is he from, is he from Europe? No, no, he's from here. He did training in Europe with GeoVital, but uh, ah, okay. he, he's in Minnesota, I think. He actually is pretty good friends with Brian Richards. Okay. Yeah, so. And what, what did you say his site was one more time? Shieldedhealing.com. Got it. Yeah, so he, he does consults. He's training people to figure this stuff out too. But I'm working with him to find a better shielding materials. It's basically it has to be a derivative of carbon to block this stuff. But right now you can use, the best one out there at this time is Y Shield, just the letter Y Shield. I think it might be yshield.com. I don't know. Probably. And so that that's it. When you say you're the best, what? The best paint? The best paint. 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 Yeah. yeah. So, because you, if you're going to live there and you're not renting, you're going to be there for a while, you, then ideally, yeah, I guess you could paint over wallpaper, but you want to probably take the wallpaper off if you have it. Paint on the wall, two coats, and then you have to paint over because it it's graphite. And, you know, it'll look good initially. It'll be all black, but you know, as soon as you touch it, it'll get a smear. So then you got to put a paint right over it and, and you could actually ground it too and that'll help shield the electrical fields. It's probably the best way because you want to sleep in your bedroom. That's the most important is to sleep shielded. And you can – and it, you just measure it. But probably the single most important thing is to stay at Acousticom and walk around your house and see what, where, where the hotspots are. Mm -hmm. Make it visible. It blew my mind. One of my early mentors is Dietrich Klinghardt. He's an MD, PhD from Germany. And, and he just like – he basically almost took a baseball bat to me because I wasn't taking this thing seriously. And I finally got the message and I, and I started looking at it and I was shocked because I was – you know, for the, I've known about this for 20 years, but it was only the last three years I got serious about it because it was so convenient and Ah, there's so there's so many conflicting studies because you the media will spin up a dozen stories to say that right. controversial. It doesn't make a difference. So you say, oh, good, and I don't have to worry about it, you know. And you could choose to make that decision, but I don't think it's a wise one if you if you have plans on living healthily over hundred. And I certainly do, and I'm sure you do, Ben. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. And now you mentioned the Stetzer filters, Dave Stetzer. Was that something you used to block the dirty electricity or do you think that's a useful tool or not really going to be that effective? It's definitely good. I use them. I actually use something, I think Brian sells it as a power shield, which you could actually put in where your electrical lines come into your box, your circuit breakers. So right before that, I've actually got four of them, but you know, you can do that. Most people don't need four. I just have a large solar array. So then I had to do it for that too. But then you, then it'll radically reduce the dirty electricity, but you still have to take care of the ones that you're introducing in your own home. So you still know the minor filters, but it'll really improve it. Incredible. Now, okay. So switching gears a little bit, I know that this oh, is a and massive- that, And that inline filter is available at Brian's site at Shielded Healing. Okay. So yeah, switching gears a little bit. I mean, going down this path of, of EMFs and all the things we're exposed to kind of gets my brain spinning on your your beliefs and opinions, I guess, around, you know, I don't want to stir the pot, but pesticides and other toxins that are kind of insidious in our air and our water and our food and best approach to mediate and mitigate risk. 
Yeah, just eat organic. I mean, or grow your own food. And we live in Florida, so I pretty much do. I've just got a dozen chickens now and, you know, buy, I, I want to buy a whole animal. I've done that in the past. I just haven't done it recently. But when you do buy a whole animal, like a cow or something, or half a cow or a quarter, you got, it just can't be organic because that's not going to work. Because we're going to give them organic grain. You want to get a grass-fed, authentically, you know, fly out to, or drive over to the farmer to see where, how the, the animal's raised to make sure it's being done right and you're not being scammed. So, you know, clean food is what you need, clean food. And you need to be really careful when you're not, when you're going to the restaurants. One of the tricks I learned from Joe Cohen from Self Hacked, who was actually out at Mindshare this last weekend with me, and it, he is very sensitive, very chemically sensitive. He actually turned carnivore because of this. And he does a lot of work with genetic SNPs. And he actually discovered that there's a specific SNP, CRNV1, which sounds like, which almost you think is an abbreviation for carnivore, but it has to do with the cannabinoid receptors. And people who have this, the double homozygous for it, they're very sensitive to plant materials and get chemical sensitivity and get their health screwed up. So these are the people, and he's double homozygous, as is uh, Michaela Peterson, who is pretty much the most famous promoter of, of the carnivore diet. And they're both, and you know, what are the odds of that? It's like one in 33 chance, and they're both homozygous for it. So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm heterosexual. So is, is it your belief that it ends there? Like, is there nothing to be concerned with it with our water supply and our air supply? Is it just as simple as eating organic? And is that enough? No, the food's the most important. But yeah, of yeah. course. I, I mean, I mean, anyone listening to this, I, I just it's such a minor topic. It's like pre-kindergarten to understand that you have to have clean water and fluoride isn't good for you. And to me. I mean, if someone doesn't understand that, it's not worth my time talking to them because <laughs> I get it. So what I was going with the conversation, though, is what are you using to filter your water? Florida probably being over the worst places in the world for chlorine added to the drinking water. Yeah. So is it? Yeah. Do you have a particular filter that's a preference for you? Yeah, I have a whole house water filter. I just had a new one installed. It's literally the size of a, a conventional water gas water heater. Mm -hmm. Very big one. And that can remove fluoride for sure. Most of it. But I have a reverse on osmosis on top of that, which is where the water I draw off to drink from. So I got a double filter because I'm obsessive compulsive. I swim and I actually drain my, you know, I tested, I didn't test it. Almost every community municipality will test your water for you. They have to, it's required by law. So you can demand those tests because they're not going to give it to you. They have to go like deep and, but they'll give it to you eventually, but then normally they don't provide it. So I asked for it and it turns out there's glyphosate in our water supply. Big surprise. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a little, it's like 4,000 parts per million right. or billion, sorry, billion. It's crazy. No, 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 wait. It's a 4,000. It's 4,000. No, it's not. No, it's, excuse me. I'm wrong. 4,000 parts per trillion, which is like four, four parts per billion, per billion. But all the others are like 0. 0.00 something, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a massive one. So it's huge. I mean, and it's the safety limit on glyphosate is probably 25 parts per trillion. And there was 4,000 parts per trillion. Hmm. Yeah. So it's just enormous. And so my pool was high. So I drained my pool and I filled it with my filtered water. Yeah. Brilliant idea. And I have a fish pond too. So I'm growing fish to eat and I drain most of the pond and, and it's only filled with filtered water now and rainwater, of course. So staying on the path of, or staying on the, the topic of how you're eating, I, I know you've been a huge advocate of fats for fuel, ketogenic dieting, and you've recently released a book called The Keto Fast. I'd love to tell you, I'd love to have you talk about just, well, I guess we can go back and finish up your routine. But after we talk about what your typical, what you believe that the human being should typically be eating on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Well, there, there's no right diet for anyone. You know, I would be lying if I said there was. But I'm progressively intrigued with a carnivore diet. And when I was in San Diego, I was hanging out with Paul Saladino for a while. I got a chance to meet him in person. We did actually yeah. talk. I thought we were going to talk about blood flow restriction training because I taught Paul and Ben how to do blood flow restriction training. Now, Ben has been doing it before, but he didn't understand the right Did program. you learn from Mario DeNovo? Is Mar- do you know Mario? Do I know Marion? Mario DeNovo. He's like oh. the top guy in the world now. And, and well, you got to connect me. You got to connect me. You know, I've, oh, for the last 20 years, I've only written books and articles on the site, but I'm going back to publishing papers again. So I just finished my first paper in 20 years and it's out for peer review and it's on blood flow restriction training. It's got 25 pages and about 250 references. And I think it's really good. I've never seen any, I've scoured the literature and there's nothing like this compilation. So I was excited to talk about that with you because exercise is why I went into medicine. I was definitely exercising well before you were born. I started at president 68. And unfortunately, I made the wrong choices. I, I was motivated by Cooper, Ken Cooper with aerobics. And I was in, went to cardiopath for 40 years, which is a huge mistake. About the last 10 years or so, I've been really focusing on strength training. And that's why I'm- I saw you getting after in one of your videos lately, lifting some weights, doing some bicep curls in your video. I saw that. That was You're doing great. Yeah. Well, it, it becomes progressively harder the older you get and has to do with the microcirculation to the type 2 muscle fibers and their st- yeah. satellite stem cells, So, which is why I'm so enthralled with blood flow restriction training, but you have to give me his, this guy's information because I need to connect with him. Because part of the process of peer review is to, is to seek out the top experts that you can. Now, I, I've actually had Dr. Sato, who's the guy who invented blood flow restriction yes, training. Of course, I mean, yeah. He's already reviewed my paper. Any other expert that I know of is Jim Stray Gundry, who's a MD out in Park City and trains a lot of the Olympic athletes. So he's reviewing the paper too. But I would love to have this guy do it from the practical perspective because I've only been doing this for two months, but I, I've never seen anything put muscle on me more in my entire life. Well, so tell me your protocol. What have you been doing? I've been doing this since 2011, BFR. Well, for someone like you, or I imagine many of the people who follow you, I don't know, think that it's necessary unless, and here's the key, they're over 60 or 50 or female maybe. Why do you feel that? Because conventional strength training works and it may work better than BFR, but you got to go to 70, 85% of your one rep max. And you know that you've done it, you know what to do and you can do it. But a lot, most people can't do that. Or if they do it, they're going to get injured. So I think for you or someone like you, the benefit is really when you do get injured, you have an alternate strategy that's virtually as good, not, I mean, not a hundred percent, but it's close enough that you're going to get the injury or you're rehabbing, you know, you break a bone or you have a limb that's in, and you can radically decrease the muscle atrophy. And because you're using such a low weight, you're not going to get injured. That's why it's, I'm so enthralled with it. And if you're over 60, as I said, the microcirculation is impaired. As a result of that impairment, the reason why you get hypertrophy and strength increase is because you are activating stem cells, typically the type two muscle fiber stem cells. That's what causes muscle muscle growth. If those things, those puppies aren't activated, you are not going to get bigger. You're not going to get stronger. So strength training, conventional strength training done the right way, and you know how to do that, absolutely works. No question. But when you get older and you do that same strength training, when you're 60, say you somehow turn the clock and you're, you know, you're six, 65 like me, right? It's not going to work. It will not work. And why won't it work? Well, it potentially could, but you'd have to do an interesting biohack, which is another one of my strategies that I do every day. Because the microcirculation to those satellite stem cells is radically decreased. But when you do blood flow restriction training, 
What happens is because you have this relative hypoxia, you increase VEGF, which is vascular endothelial growth factor, mm -hmm. which is it's a, one of the most powerful angiogenic signals in your body and it's fertilizer for your blood vessel. So it will increase capillary supply and proximity to these stem cells so that it can work. Then you do the stimulus and it works because they've shown studies where they, they train elderly men with this and it does, they don't get big. They don't get big. And I think I would love to dialogue with you about why you think Jack LaLanne only made it to 95 or 96. I mean, to me, that is a travesty. That guy should have been an, easily in the one tens because he was doing almost everything right. You know, as far as we could tell exercise and diet, he had dialed in. Sure. But I mean, with the current society we live in, there's always going to be that one thing that, that knocks you out, right? Especially at that age, they're probably so susceptible to, you know, any little amount of shift in the homeostasis of the body is going to put you out of whack, right? It could have just been the fact that he was living in California, right? It could have been the EMF, could have been the pesticide you yeah, didn't yeah. know of. Was, no, no, you're right. Thing. Yeah, but that, that's one of the enables. In fact, I think that was one of the subtitles are the, for my paper, why Jack LaLanne didn't live to be 100, you know? It's like, I think part yeah. of it, because th these as you know, muscle is such a mess. It's 50% of your body. It's an, and people think it's just for cosmetics or something that keeps you around or keep you not being frail, but it's a powerful metabolic organ. Most, most of your glucose is absorbed by your muscles. If you have muscle mass, you're, you're in bad shape and it, right. it, it, and it secretes powerful cytokines and myokines. So it's powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. the, the research on that is extensive, right? And even from the muscle wasting perspective, you know, wrapping a no. person's leg in a tourniquet. Yeah, just even in a hospital, just allowing them to, to actually allow some blood flow restriction will actually retain people's muscle over a tremendous amount of time. I mean, the benefits are tremendous. Are you using a tourniquet or are you using like an actual katsu? No, I own a katsu. That's what started it. But I'm thinking you don't want to use a tourniquet. Tourniquet is the wrong term. You never want to really want to use that term. Right, right. That implies complete blood flow obstruction. But there's a sweet spot, as I'm sure you know, the Goldilocks range, is, which is about 40 to 60% to of arterial occlusion pressure. So you want to have make sure there's blood flowing in the limb. You can do that by checking the capillary refill. Or... But it's high enough, the, the pressure is high enough that you're including venous return to the heart. So it's right. you get the localized concentration of the metabolite, specifically lactate, that increases, you know, causes the increase of this, actually inhibits myostatin, which is another reason why you get so big. I don't know if you know this, but it, you can inhibit myostatin by 50%. 50%. I didn't know that. Yeah, with blood flow restriction training, which, and I don't know what, and maybe conventional strength training does it too. It may, may or may not. I, I haven't studied that. I'm interviewing a Dr. Sato, the inventor, who's 73 years old. And for, not for your listeners, but for the average audience, <laughs> I'm sure you've got a lot of built bodybuilders. The average audience, his arms at 73 are bigger than most people's legs. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's very cool to hear. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. He, he's done it, been doing it for 50 years. Uh, well, that, that'll do it. And I've seen people literally shift a body part or shift their physique in very short amount of time with, with blood flow restriction. The way we use it in our community is, you know, we'll still do the weight bearing exercise and we'll use it yeah. kind of intermittently with the blood flow restriction because yeah. we want to generate that load. We still want the resistance for the osteogenesis. And then we'll, we'll intermittently mix in the BFR because then BFR is not going to be enough enough resistance typically to, to elicit that kind of bone response and, and the heavy response you're looking for from exercise, whereas the BFR in between tends to give you the, the kind of double added benefit of the hypertrophy and the VEGF secretion. Yeah, I think, I think you got it nailed. Uh, that's what I would recommend too. You do not want to use it exclusively as someone like yourself. That would be foolish. You, want, you definitely want to use conventional strength training.
But if you get injured, it's a ticket. Or if you get older, you know, <laughs> it's, it's great. Now, you'll, I'm sure you'll yeah. be lifting heavy when you get really old, but which is good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things that whenever I seem to go away for a short period of time, I just feel so much better when I do it. And there's this beautiful balance between, you know, some yoga, some aerobic exercise and some heavy lifting. Like my objective is to be, you know, as strong as I can, as long as I can. And that doesn't necessarily mean building a tremendous amount of muscle anymore. It just means like maintaining, you know, strength because people say that, you know, movement is life. And my belief, you know, ex- extrapolating for that is that strength is life, right? As you lose strength, yeah. you lose mobility, you lose the ability to do things. And I think strength is, is an important part of life. Yeah. And I think that it appears to me, and I don't know, but it seemed like Lelaine got sarcopenic as he got older and it's a big issue. And, and that's actually what motivated me down this route because my parents both passed away recently and they were both sarcopenic and frail mm-hmm. big time. And I had no idea how to address it because if you look at the literature, the only thing they can do is this conventional strength training. I mean, conventional literature, it doesn't talk about blood flow restriction. So, but this can do it. And it, I'm sure it would have had a year's life if I had known about it. And it really. A thousand percent. Now, are you just typically doing it, you know, for your arms, for your legs? Or are you mixing in other body parts? Are you using a Vasper? Are you familiar with the Vasper? I'm sure you are. But right now. Well, I, I can't really comment. To, I owned a Vasper. I returned it to the company and I signed a non-disparagement agreement. So I really can't comment okay. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, I mean, it's become a big thing within that, those communities to. Right. I mean, I do this kind of isolated. What I can say is that Vasper in no way, shape, or form is blood flow restriction training. It isn't because there's not enough pressure. Right. Yeah. It just it does something different that I think. Yeah, I get it. It's mechanistically different. I understand it. We don't want to go down that path and no need to bring it up. Yeah. So tell me how you eat. I simply, you know, I'm really playing more with carnivore now. I'm really intrigued with it, especially since I'm heterozygous at for CRVN1 SNP. So. I just, I have a smoothie, you know, and the, the protein content. I try to get at least 100 grams and if days I'm, tri- I'm probably closer to 150 grams of protein a day, which is- You get a meat smoothie? No, 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 no. <laughs> no I still make smoothies, but I have a, like maybe a pound of ground beef, you know, for, for lunch, which is an interesting commentary on me because if we had this conversation a year ago, I didn't believe that. I was- Still under the influence of Ron Rosedale, who was my early mentors and helped me understand insulin resistance in 95. But then he got on this mTOR kick. And when people did not know what mTOR was, I mean, he was one of the first people to understand it. But I haven't just talked to them for a while, but I think he's really confused because mTOR is healthy. You need mTOR. And just like you don't want to activate mTOR all the time, you don't want to not activate mTOR all the time. It has to be cyclical. So I'm a firm believer in time-restricted eating. I'm playing with the windows. I've gone down to as little as four hours a day eating window to six or even eight. But for at least 16 hours, I'm not eating. And you do not want to eat for at least three to four hours before you go to bed. You want to know why? Because you no, you hear everyone say that, but hardly anyone tells you why. Love to hear it. Okay. Well, you heard NADPH? Yes. It's cousin. So NADP, those are the two most important biomolecules in your body from my perspective, or two of the most important. There are coenzymes and NAD real important biological signaling molecule. And actually my interview with David Sinclair on NAD comes out in about two weeks. He's the re- professor out at Harvard who's done a lot of the re- original research on NAD and sirtuins with a Garanti out at MIT when, yeah. when he was at MIT. So it was a good interview actually. But anyway, NADPH, it does, it serves a different function. It's a reservoir of electrons, hydrogen ions, and it will recharge your antioxidants. And if you have low NADPH levels, you cannot detox and you're going to have radically increased in oxidative damage because you're not recharging your endogenous antioxidants. So 
with that established, if you eat food, large amounts of calories. Now, you know, I'm playing with this. There may be other alternatives like getting a little insulin boost, like two hours before you go to bed, like some carbohydrates or something. So I'm intrigued with that concept and I'm not convinced of that, but at least traditionally, it's certainly not a lot of calories, but you, I'm not opposed to eating some carbs before and it may be the correct way to do it. That's sort of a fine tuning. But the general principle is if you have large amounts of calories, you're not going to be able to burn them before you go to sleep. So you have to store them. And the way your body stores calories is fat. So many people aren't aware that your body's largest consumer of NADPH is the creation of fat. So if you're creating fat from eating these extra calories that you haven't used before you go to bed, you're sucking down your NADPH levels and making it really hard for your body to detox these chemicals that you've eaten, that you referenced earlier, and you know increasing oxidative stress and secondary inflammation. So NADPH is going to have a direct effect in some way on toxin excretion? Oh, yeah. You need it to drive the cytochromes in the, in the liver. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it runs detox phase two. So even while you're sleeping? Yeah. Especially while you're sleeping. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's really important. And that's why, that, and when I do all those things, so I didn't really finish what I do. So uh, I'll eat. We just kind of went off on the food and I can go on it for hours. But, you know, I, I don't eat until like 10 or 11. But when I get up... I do some stretching, a little, uh, I do some yoga exercises. I'll check my email and I'll go and do my blood flow restriction training. And then I'll do 20 minutes in the sauna, the EMFs free sauna by sauna space. And then I'll go swim in the pool. Then I go into my new and best biohack treatment, which I love is a hard shell hyperbaric chamber. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it goes up to three atmospheres. Most people, it's, it's kind of pricey. So most people wouldn't be able to afford it, but I fortunately was able to, to secure one and I love it, especially doing it fasting. So I do it after the BFR and the sauna and fasted. So I think that maximizes the benefits. And then I- Now, are you in ketosis? Are you measuring that? Oh, yeah. I don't measure it all the time. But you know about the, do, you, do you know the best new ketone meter for that? You might not be aware of it. No. Ketone Coach X. I'm, I am familiar with that one. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's the, well, maybe not the best, but certainly the least expensive. No, it's like 70 cents. I mean, Keto Mojo is like a dollar, which is still a lot better, but 70 cents is even better. Any experience with the breath meters? Is, is oh, that yeah. I haven't been impressed with them. You know, I just, I mean, that was the first thing I use. I just, there's just too much variability from my perspective. I mean, it's maybe because I'm stupid and I'm not using it right, but I just go with the blood. I mean, I know that's accurate. Yeah. Very cool. What are you reading? What am I reading? Am I reading? Yeah. Yeah, on a day-to-day basis, I know you're a researcher. Is it usually research studies? Is it books? It depends what it is. Like when I was, you know, and it tends on my time availability. But in the past, I've known Ben Greenfield, who reads about 350 books a year, or used, at least used to. I haven't heard how many he's reading lately. But I'm probably only down to 30, 30, 40, maybe 50 books a year, one a week or less. And so I've shifted more to reading studies. I've got some really good tools now. So I'm reading about 2,000 studies a year. Um, current pace to that. And my new passion now is longevity because yeah, at 65, I want to make sure things are optimized. So I got a good chance to reach a hundred in good shape. And I seem to, I'm getting feedback that I seem to be doing a pretty good job at that. So at least people are seeing me. What are your strategies to optimize your brain as you age? Is it just learning? Is it, is it learning new skills? Is it- I'm a perpetual student. I'm eternally curious. So I always want to learn, find out the, and understand the details, but exercise, of course. And one of the other things of it, of certainly conventional strength training, but blood flow restriction training, is it radically upregulates this enzyme called NAMPT, which is the rate limiting enzyme for the salvage pathway of NAD. 
So you increase your NAD levels by exercising. Big time. Yep. So anyway, getting back to brain strategies, you know, the ketosis, cyclical ketosis, exercise, and the, the sauna detox. And I like that photon beam for my head. I use it every night before I go to bed for about 10 to 20 minutes. And I even travel with it. It's so great. I like it so much. I just do not want to go without it. And it's also a convenient alternative light because almost every light in a hotel is going to be bad for you. Yep, absolutely. Are you doing anything supplementally to influence your brain health or the neurotransmitter kind of dominance in your mind? What specifically? I mean, I take some things. What do I take? Like phosphatidylserine and certainly, you know, we're one of the largest distributors probably in the US, maybe the world, I don't know, of astaxanthin. And so as a result of our, and krill, as a result of our, actually, the, uh, it might be separate companies. Actually, it's the krill I'm thinking of. So Acker is the company that is the largest harvester and producer of krill in the world. Now, I've got good relationships with their scientists, so I'm able to get like a quart of the concentrated phospholipids. So I'll have like a teaspoon of krill phospholipid, you know, which is loaded with phosphatidylcholine. But instead, because, you know, phosphatidylcholine, typically you get it from soy or sunflower, and it usually is attached to an omega-6. But when you get it from krill, it's an omega-3, that DHA or EPA is the fatty acid hanging out of that thing. So is that the same krill oil that you sell on the site? Well, there's two, it's the regular krill and the krill oil concentrate phospholipids. So, yep. you know, it's, it's, I think it's more, I think we sell it now. I was getting the raw material before they put it in capsules and just like, because I don't, I don't want to swallow 20 capsules. So I just take a teaspoon. It doesn't taste that great, but, you know, I put it down with my smoothie and it's fine. So I take about five grams of that a day, which is pretty high in uh, phosphatidylcholine. I was eating a lot of eggs, but I had to cut back because I've, I found a medical intuitive. Actually, I'm sure this last week. It just impressed the heck out of me. I've seen some of the finest physicians in the world, clinicians. You know, I've been around for a long time, so I've had the opportunity to see them, connect with them. And this woman has had no medical training at all, but she's got a photo autobiographical memory, essentially a photographic memory, and is really, really smart. So, and she's just it basically is a medical intuitive and, and connects with this energy that really is able to discern things that is essentially analytically like impossible almost. I mean, you can confirm it with analytical testing, but there's certain things you just can't test for, you know, like sensitivities to food and supplements would be one of them. So she's fine. Sure. She's fine tuning my program for me. So she's just doing it uh, with her intuition. It's not like she's doing muscle testing yeah. or she's not doing no, she's it. Got muscle testing and intuition, but then explains all the SNPs and the, and the biochemical pathways that are perturbed and why it's, it's not like this airy fairy stuff. It's really, based on solid science. And I've just never seen anyone with that depth of knowledge and quickness and sharpness of mind and be able to consolidate and put it all together in one package is crazy. Very cool. What is your, your moonshot? What is your, your big mission that you want to accomplish in this lifetime? seems like you're doing a pretty good job of hacking longevity. And I'm sure it's down that path, but I'm curious, like you've got such a great reach, right? Well, there's, this, there's two answers to that question. One is personally, I like to live to be at least an eight, 180. Of course, that's not going to happen in regular biology. So we have to have some some moonshot there that I think is going to happen. And if you listen to my interview with David Sinclair, he's really big on cellular reprogramming. And he's done this in his lab with the Yamanaka transcription factors, which, I mean, he's basically restored, giving blind mice their vision back. It's pretty impressive. And now we're at the primitive stages now, but, you know, given another 10 or 20 years, if you're in good health, I think we could take advantage of that and essentially reset the aging clock. So I want to be around the 180 and with actually more energy and mental clarity than I have now. So that would be a goal. But from a legacy perspective, I think most likely 
to continue the path I'm on. And I've essentially achieved that. I really do think I've got critical mass and, you know, been able to stimulate this field enough that there's enough people like you and many, many others, like thousands of others that are taking up the torch and really educating others about the truth, which is great. But the new threat is the uh, almost an existential threat that I referenced earlier was Google and suppressing this information, not only the media, but the surgeons, and, you know, because it's synonymous with search. If you're going to search for something on the internet, you Google it, you know, but there are other search engines. But guess what? All of them have problems with privacy. And if they don't have problems with privacy, they're using Google for their search engine. <laughs> so it's, it's like you can't win. You can't win. So anyway, that, that's a tangent to explain the answer, which is that I perceive perhaps the greatest contributional donut. I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but, I, but I'm fairly convinced I will be able to because of my connections, is to facilitate an alternative way to uncensor the material that is being censored now. And we, they've just started the censorship. If you haven't been censored yet, Ben, you will be. I mean, it's, it, they're, they're not going to discriminate. You know, interestingly, I don't know if you read this story. This is one of the reasons I did the site. And have you ever heard of the headline, Doctors are the Third Leading Cause of Death? Yes. Okay. Do you know who created that headline? No idea. Would you like to know who? Sure. Me. That was, okay. that was my headline. That was my meme. And I created it in July of 2000. At the time, I was receiving the print journal of JAMA because I, don't know, I just got it for some reason. The pharmaceutical companies gave me a copy. So in that issue, one of those issues, Barbara Starfield, who was an MD, PhD out of Stanford, wrote an article that talked about medical errors. And I read the article. I was really intrigued with it. I went into the tables and I did the calculations. And if you do the numbers, it wasn't in the article specifically, but I did the numbers and made the calculations. Clearly, the doctors were the third leading cause of death and that got a lot of traction. And ironically, Barbara Starfield was killed from medical errors. She died from Plavix a few years ago, Plavix drug interaction. And I thought that was an, an incredible irony. But the point I want to illustrate is that she was wrong. They are not the third leading cause of death. It is the largest cause of death by far. If you factor in the failure to treat the foundational causes, medicine, the conventional medical system is the leading cause of death and needless pain and suffering in the world. Unquestionably, it is number one. And the interesting point that I wanted to mention is that they don't discriminate. I don't know if you saw the New York Times. Well, you know, certainly last month, a few weeks ago, that we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 landing on the moon. Armstrong, first man on the moon, right? I wanted to be an astronaut, actually. And so it was very inspirational for me. I remember that very clearly. And that was actually before you were born. <laughs> but I remember watching it in black and white on the TV and made a big impact on my life. But what you may not know is that because of the anniversary some undisclosed party leaked to the New York Times the fact that America's greatest hero, which I think many people wouldn't argue with, Neil Armstrong, America's greatest hero, they killed him too. They didn't do it intentionally, but it was a medical mistake. He died from a medical mistake. It was covered up and his family was paid $6 million to cover it up and sign non-disclosures. So, you know, because it, it's a PR nightmare. So that it was hidden and buried because they don't discriminate. They kill the biggest people, not intentionally. So you cannot trust them. So my mission and really what my goal is, is to minimize that as much as possible and change it. And there are some good people in the system. It's not the entire conventional medical system. There's some really good, like Marty Mackey, who wrote the book, The Price We Pay. He's a professor of surgery at Johns Hopkins. I just interviewed him and 
man, it's just amazing the stuff that he goes into. But he's he's an example of a committed conventional medical doctor. You know, he doesn't know any of the stuff that we're talking about, or at least appreciate it, but that's committed to doing the right thing and fighting the fraud and the mistakes and everything. So that's my mission is really to catalyze that. And, you know, I guess the short-term issue is to make sure that we don't limit access to this information that's going to change that through, through censorship like Google. Right. And if you go back to med school and make any changes to that curriculum or one massive change to that curriculum, what would it be? It's so hard because you'd almost have to change the whole system. You know, the reason that medical curriculum is all screwed up, it happens over 100 years ago with the Flexner Report. When J.D. Rockefeller and Carnegie got in and they got, they got control of the medical boards and basically redesigned the curriculum to focus on drugs. They focus on drugs so they, and, they, and basically started radically excluding this information on natural medicine, which was homeopathy at the time and some other strategies. But they, they had some pretty powerful treatments back then. But, you know, it's not that conventional medicine is terrible and evil and you should always avoid it. Obviously, for trauma, you can't beat it, but you, you've got to use it wisely and judiciously and probably like 95% less than it's being used now. Very, very fascinating, Dr. McCullough. Again, thank you so much. What book are you reading right now? I'm curious. Or what is the most recent book you've read? Oh, geez. Or, or the most memorable book you've read in the last three months? That's a good question. Well, you know, I, there's probably a good answer, but I have to review what I've read because I'm really focused now more on the studies. So I, okay. yeah, I'm just looking well, at the So the blood flow restriction so, is by far the thing I'm absolutely beyond fascinated with. And so the 25-page paper I wrote would take, if you haven't had any scientific training, it would take a while to get through it. But it clearly is the best summary of everything I've been reading for a while. So Awesome. And you know what? We can get you, if you're listeners, subscribe to the newsletter. They'll get their daily newsletter. And they also, I'm going to offer that. And hopefully, I'm going to, it's going to be an open source journal so that there won't be any copyright issues. So I'm going to offer that as a PDF. And then also, a really great instruction guide on how to do that. So I'm certainly not an expert in it. That's why I'm in the process of finding experts like the one you're going to refer me to. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, do. Dr. McCullough, thank you so much for your time. I'd love to have you on again in person sometime when we get you down here to Tampa and take you through it. Well, you could take me through a BFR workout yeah. and I'll take you through it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can show you what I know, but I mean, your, your knowledge and strength training is worth mine, I'm sure. So I could definitely make your life a little easier and probably more difficult at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's a wrap. Dr. Mercola, what a wealth of information. I'm sure this is the type of podcast you're going to want to go back and listen to again, because I know I am. Uh, so many great resources, so many great things that we talked about here. And as far as the legitimacy of this stuff, I mean, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. There's some people out there who are claiming, hey, these radio frequencies aren't real or the EMFs is not something you should be concerned with. Just like these people out there claiming that glyphosate isn't a problem. And to be honest... You make your own decisions, but I really think, I really suggest you pay attention to what you can because the powers that be that, you know, maybe we have access to on the back burner and the, the research out there that exists is definitive on these things, right? Like there's, there's no way you're going to argue that 5G is extremely, extremely detrimental to human physiology and, you know, the radio frequencies and the EMF and the necessity of light to human biology and flourishing. 
you know, Dr. Mercola just really blew us away here with talking, even with blood flow restriction. How awesome is it that Dr. Mercola at 65 years old is pumping iron every day with his blood flow restriction? Loving it. And I'm sure he's going to bring that onto the radar of a lot more people now in the mainstream, which is very, very cool for, you know, our community, right? This reality that, you know, the people who are building muscle, you know, through the 80s and 90s were kind of seen as this little subculture of weird human beings. And now it's coming to light that, you know, longevity is based around muscle building. Like if you're not the muscle building type, it's a big mistake to your thriving and keeping disease at arm's length and optimizing every aspect of your life. So I hope you guys love the podcast. If you did, I know this is going to be one that you guys are going to want to share with one person as this movement toward intelligent life continues to grow. I'm so grateful for you, for your time, for your comments and feedback, for your reviews on iTunes. I know Dr. Mercola would greatly appreciate a follow over on Instagram, Twitter, and head over to mercola.com to check him out and all of his latest and greatest information, an absolute wealth of information. I hope you live an amazing life. I hope you have an incredible day. I hope you smile. I hope you're grateful. I hope you thrive in a body that you absolutely love. Have a great day, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.